everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of the Spanish Football Podcast. I'm Phil Kittramalides. He's Sid Lowe. Hello, Sydney. Hello, Phil. How are you? How smug are you feeling? Uh, I don't know. Should I be feeling smug? Yes. Why? Because a few weeks ago you said Barcelona are favourites. Oh, I see. Favourites to win the La Liga title. People mocked you, Sid. People laughed. People said, no way, are you crazy? Would these people would be you and Al? Yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, essentially. <laughs> and now... Well, that prediction's not looking far off after uh, match day 28. Uh, this is what happened in La Liga over the weekend. The Friday night game saw Betis beat Levante by two goals to nil. Betis have won eight of their last 11 games. They're one of the most informed sides in La Liga in 2021. Uh, Athletic Club and Eibar played out a 1-1 Basque derby draw at San Mames. Uh, a brace from Karim Benzema helped Real Madrid to a 3-1 victory at Balaidos against Celta. Benzema scored in his last six games. Now, it was one of the best first-half performances of the season from Real Madrid as well. Wesca nil, Osasuna nil. Wesca stayed bottom, four points from safety, Osasuna seven points above the drop zone now looking good to stay up, Vau the lead one, Sevilla won, it was a, a beautiful day for Sevilla, Bono scoring in the 94th minute the, he, sorry, and had to do when it when a goalkeeper scores it is even better than the real thing, it really is, they, Sevilla had the edge Bono is the goalkeeper by yeah. the way, He's someone actually keeper. pointed out um, on Twitter the other day that the Adam Clayton has scored a professional goal yes, before. Yes, yes, that's yeah. true. Um, I'm I not sure about too. Larry Mullins Jr. And what's, what's, what's the Edge's real name? Don't know, mate. I know that Bono is Paul Hewson, but I don't know what the Edge is actually called. Anyway, uh, he scored. He's become the first uh, severe goalkeeper uh, ever to score in La Liga. It's the first time ever we've had two goal, two separate goalkeepers score a goal in La Liga in the same season. And they'll be playing for the same club next year. <laughs> yes, Dimitrescu for Eibar, who looks like he's joining uh, Sevilla in the summer. Uh, anyway, uh, Getafe won, Elche won, uh, Edgar Badia with an amazing penalty save Brilliant. for Brilliant Elche uh, when it was 1-1. Uh, Getafe uh, throwing away the chance to, to, to win a really important game. But yeah, a brilliant goalkeeping save there. Um, Goalkeeping save. Is there any other kind, really? Well, I mean, I suppose you could leave a defender saving on the line. Okay, there. Thanks, Sydney. You yeah, saved me. You, you yeah, saved me. Uh, Valencia beating Granada 2 1. Valencia now 10 points above the drop zone. Their flirtation with relegation seems to be over, thankfully. Maybe they can uh, look upwards instead of over their shoulders now. Villarreal beating Cadiz 2 uh, 1. Uh, two consecutive wins in La Liga for Villarreal after an eight match winless streak. If you add in their Europa League victory, uh, over Dinamo Kiev, it's, it's four consecutive wins now. Villarreal looking uh, a bit better than they were a couple of weeks ago. Atletico Madrid beating Alaves by a goal to nil. Luis Suarez scoring in the 54th minute. And then another huge moment, another huge save from Jan Oblak. This time from the penalty spot. Joselu had a penalty in the 86th minute. Could have been a massive moment in the title race. But Oblaktopus saved it. Atletico ground out a victory at home to Alec. It's been a while since they had a comfortable home win, isn't it? They just don't have them. They don't have them. And, and th- th- that that puts such a lot of pressure on. We'll get to this in a minute, but yeah. it's huge. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they ground out that win. They stay top. They stay four points clear of Barcelona, a rampant Barcelona who beat Real Sociedad 6-1 uh, at the Real Arena in San Sebastián. A brace from Lionel Messi, who now leads La Liga in terms of goals scored, assists, shots per game and dribbles per game as well. He's up to 23 uh, in the uh, season. Uh, and there's also a brace for uh, Serginho Dest. He played very well, even apart from the two goals. Yes, it was his uh, first goals for uh, Barcelona. Griezmann and Dembélé getting in on the act uh, as well. And we'll start there because it was the... Um, 
It was the uh, the game of the weekend, and Barcelona really, really fantastic. I mean, playing some really nice football has yeah. to be said. The last goal that they scored, that sixth goal, was sensational. That last goal, the the speed of the ball, the it was it was the um, to go back. I mean, I suppose to to that whole idea of tiki taka. It was the pim 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 of the ball moving around really quick, really short passing, really, 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 really well done. Technically exceptional. They once they'd got the first goal, they were brilliant. It's true that they scored their first and their second goal, I think, from their first and second shots. And so at that point, possibly you could say, well, maybe it's a little bit flattering. But by the end, you were just watching Barcelona thinking, this lot will look really, really good now. Mm. Um, and, you know, you've mentioned the, the statistic there. And, and I suppose at the risk of going over old ground, but at the same time, I think occasionally it's worth going over old ground because I think we do take it for granted. What Messi has done since the turn of the year is extraordinary. I mean, he is genuinely, again, just a long way ahead of everybody. Mm. I mean, just a very, very long way ahead of everybody. And that's even with some really, really good performances from, from some other players in, in, in La Liga. Barcelona seem to have found a structure that is starting to work for them. Things are falling into place a little bit. Of course, there are still one or two doubts. I think it's impossible that they're, that we could ever be in a position that there weren't any. But you look at their run... Correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's 18 now without defeat, nine away wins in a row. Um, not all of those comfortable, but this one certainly was. And against a team, that this was one of those games where, certainly after Oblak had made that save for Atletico, because for those of our listeners who don't know, know this, Atletico played first, and Barcelona was the very next game. And having kind of survived the risk of dropping points, you just thought, I wonder if this tips in Atletico's favour now, because this is a tough game in theory for Barcelona to go away to, to Real Sociedad. And in the end, they played so well that, that, that it didn't feel tough at all. The really outstanding player, if only because it was perhaps slightly surprising, was Busquets, mm. who I thought was brilliant. A bit of a turnaround for Busquets. Yeah, I, I wonder whether... You know, we've talked about this so many times. When we look at Busquets, we... we look at his decline but we also look at it from a systemic point of view and we've often said that maybe with a different structure around him he could still be a really good player I think we saw in Europe that perhaps there are times in the European game at least is that bit too quick for him yeah. but his touch on the ball is brilliant if the, if the passes are there for him he'll continue to make them if he can play and I think this is a big question I mean and I say this to someone who, who as you know is always very uneasy when, when we start getting kind of tactical because I recognise that I'm not qualified for this in the way that, that people who you know people who genuinely do tactics people who've done coaching courses and all that kind of thing are but one of the things that's interesting I always think with Busquets is he plays better when he can be on the front foot when it's Busquets stepping forward into the game mm-hmm. rather than being forced to come back and and when he steps forward into the game he, he does look comfortable he can win the ball higher up he can play those simple passes and they'd be much more telling it feels like he has more passing avenues I wonder if he's partly helped by having De Jong behind him so we've had De Jong alongside him for a lot of the season, but having yeah. De Jong behind him, maybe there's the energy behind to step out up and just to make the whole defence play a little bit higher up the pitch. That then pushes the whole thing up. And it feels like he's not turned as often Busquets. It feels like he's not faced by people running through him as as often as, as has sometimes been the case in the past. And he played very, very well all across the pitch. Alba and Dest giving them real width. Um, the three central defenders maybe gives them more freedom to do that. Although... I must admit, I always feel that Alba's done that when he's played at left-back or left-wing-back. It doesn't really feel like it makes a difference to him. Maybe uh, it does to Dest. How important is Ousmane Dembélé staying fit and playing and scoring and playing in a more central role? He's, he's very interesting, isn't he, Dembélé? Because you can watch his game last night and sort of analyse him in, in, in quite contrasting ways. Yes. Because 
I think he's really important to them. Uh, he scored 24 goals now. I love this stat. 14 with each foot. That tells you something about the, the you know the, the difficulties in defending him because it's not like a lot Tw- of players. 28 goals, presumably, if it's 14. Did with I each say 24? Foot. Yeah. Sorry, 28. Yes, 28, 14 okay. and 14. Um, he, he is a player that, unlike a lot of players, because even the very best footballers tend to have a stronger foot, obviously, genuinely doesn't. And I think that when he runs at defenders or when he's, he's on the edge of the air and he's, he's doing that sort of lateral movement that he does, they genuinely don't know which way he's going to go past them. And I think that makes him very, very difficult to stop. And, and I think he's really useful in the way that Barcelona are playing now because he, the way that he runs, because he's so vertical, to use that phrase yes. that we talk about a lot, it stretches the game. And what that does, of course, is open the space if you like, in front of the penalty area or in front of that defence, which is where, of course, Messi is almost unstoppable. So if you've got someone who's static there, now this is the difference maybe between Dembélé and Luis Suarez. Luis Suarez was brilliant for Messi as someone to play off, but it did tend to mean that the defence would creep closer to Messi. Uh-huh. Dembélé is nowhere near as good to play off, but he does stretch the defence further out the way, if mm. you sort of mean. The other thing, of course, is then Dembélé's finishing is not always very good. No. I quite like him through the middle up front, if only because some of those decision-making problems that he has, because I still think he has those, are sort of less... They feel like less damaging, in a way, by him being a forward rather than a rather than a wide man. What do you mean? Because it feels like he's not in those positions where he's got to make those decisions because he's being put in position where it's much clearer. It's right. like the simple pass there or shoot. Okay. It feels like... He's the, it feels like the if you like so the, take away the options in a way yeah yeah exactly it feels like the the a reduction in the variety of um, decisions to make yes. feels like it benefits him yeah and I, I don't know if the stats would bear that up it'd be very interesting to see whether he's misplacing fewer passes now okay. um, but I, I honestly don't know the answer to that but it, intuitively it feels like that to me um, it feels like Barcelona have got a lot of momentum behind them yeah. now. They're on a fantastic run. Nine consecutive away wins as well. They've got a Copa del Rey final to look forward to too. And it could end up being a very successful debut season for Ronald Koeman as manager. A quick word about La Real. Why were they so bad? I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and it was interesting listening to Imanol after the game, by the way. He said, you know, Barcelona are favourites. And he actually said, I told Koeman this when we went there. When was that? Three weeks ago, maybe not even that. When they went there, yeah, uh, that was in December. Is it that long ago? It can't what, be. What in the league? Yes, it was in December. It was the sixteenth of December. Wow! In which case, I'm really <laughs> struck that he said that. Is this yeah. not was was Real Sociedad not right. one of the unless um, they played in the Super Cup? But well, I mean, they played in the Super Cup the Super unless League. he said it in the Super Cup. But um, yeah, it's possible. I thought he said when we went there. But anyway, he yeah. said he said I told Kuman this before. Yeah. Um. Uh. So so one thing, obviously, why did Real Sociedad play badly? Well, as he says, because they're playing a very good team. Right. Mikel Oyazabal post-game said something very similar. So he was asked, you know, why did this not go very well? And he said, well, because there's a team there and they're very good. But I do think there was more to it than that. I, I thought on the goal where Dembele runs right the way through, uh, I don't know, if it, is that the third goal or is it the fourth? fourth. I think it's the fourth. I can't okay. remember now. It's what happens when a game's got lots yeah. of goals in it. The one where he right, run, runs right through, it's a really good run. And he does go through four men. <laughs> but if you watch it back, yeah. he goes through four men. Yeah. Four men who don't put the foot in. Four men who... And I don't know if there's a kind of a mental downing of tools at, at 2 or 3-0, perhaps. Um, but it was unusually weak, I mm. thought, from, from Ralph Sofford. Admittedly, as I say, against a team that played very, very well indeed. OK, the game before this, you were at you were yeah. at the Wanda uh, to see Atletico Madrid beat Alaves by a goal to nil. 
Suarez racking up his 500th career goal. Yeah, it's quite a lot, isn't it? Crikey. And uh, there'll be a few more to add to that. Yeah, there might be. There might be. I mean, there, there may not be very many more because, of course, of his age. But you'd expect him to get, what, how many more would you say now? Ten games left in the season, maybe another four or five? Presumably he might. I mean, this is not his final season. No, presumably not. Although, I wouldn't be entirely surprised if he called it a day at the end of the season. Really? Yeah. Uh, Called it a day in Europe. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Not calls it a day as a professional, but calls it it a day in Europe. Well, goes to MLS. Goes to MLS. I wouldn't be entirely surprised by that. Um, Anyway, the, the game itself... Look, this is... Come back to what we were saying earlier about the exhaustion. Yeah. And that sense that they just don't get an easy game. I was on the way into the game when they drew 2-2 with Celta. Yes. And on my way in talking to a Spanish colleague who, who basically, obviously, because this year there's only five or six of us in the ground each week, is always a guy next to me. And we're on the way in and, and, and he said something which I thought was very interesting. And this is Celta, which is what, eight weeks ago? Eight games ago? Something like that. Maybe not quite that many. And he said, Atletico could really do with an easy night. You know, yeah. Just a game where they're not on edge all the time. And at one point, it looked like they were going to get it. And then, of course, they blew it late on. And, of course, this is creating, I think, a degree of tension. It's very, very hard to keep winning when you've got two teams like that behind you mm-hmm. who are starting to gather momentum. When, in truth, you know that there's a limitation to the things you've got. You've got a lot of very good things, but there is still a limitation to it. And I felt yesterday that when they scored the first goal, they had 15 minutes where I thought they actually played really quite well. Yorenta um, hits the bar. I think Pacheco gets a touch. It's a really good save. And there's a couple of other chances. But even then you think, if they don't get the second goal, the last 10 minutes are going to be terrifying again. Mm. And even if you then come through it, maybe if you come through it, you know, that that kind of enhances the sense of togetherness and, and mission and all the rest of it. But I just think that this is happening every week now. They don't have a week where there isn't the tension. They don't mm. have a week where there isn't the exhaustion, which is psychological as much as physical, I think, at mm. times with every single game and they are on edge all the time and I think that's problematic that's not to say they can't hang on but I think if we look at these next 10 games before we even get into the fixture list and by the way if you look at the fixture list I I can see five maybe six of those 10 games that they might not win that's not to say they don't win any of them but that they might not win so there's places where you can see them dropping points but it's, it's more that if you look at that 10 games, I think every game now for Atletico Madrid is going to be two things. It's getting three points and it's being one close, one foot closer to the finish line. You're wrong. Every game is going to be a final. So well, yes. That's what they are. But they are actually almost in that territory now, in a way. <laughs> what? In that in the, they cannot lose. They yes, cannot. they can. Well, they can. They once. can. No. Because once the other team and... might lose as well. Barcelona and Real Madrid yes, might course. lose as well. But they final. have to have the mindset now that Barcelona and Madrid... <laughs> So they, are, are going to win every game. So what you're saying is they are finals? <laughs> no. Did you know why? Right. Because when you win a final, you've won. Yeah. When they win this final, they've got another one. Uh, so so it's, it's, like, it's like a last 16, a quarterfinal, a semi-final and the rest of it. Uh, so they've got uh, next week, well, after the international break, Sevilla away, then Betis away. Okay, should we, should we go through these? Sevilla away, don't win that. Well, I mean, they might. I'm not saying they will, but what I mean is, if you, right, let's look we at their games. We don't need to go through each other. Okay, but you know what I mean. Okay, so then, then they've got Betis away. Very tough. We said yeah. how, how good informed they are. They uh, host Wesker. Should win that. Should win that. Wesker are desperate. They should be, you know, they should have beaten mm. Alaves comfortably, and they didn't. They go to Athletic in Bilbao. They host Eibar. They're away to Elche. Then they go to Barcelona. 
then they host Real Sociedad, host uh, Osasuna and travel to Valladolid on the final game of the season. So there's a lot of potential banana skins there. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, That's there's a big bunch of banana skins, isn't it? And they, as I say, it's it's that sense that you know their tongue is hanging out now. I think they needed this international break. I think mm. I think this might help. Maybe I mean I'm assuming this, but I don't know. You know, give them three days off now, bring them back, and say, okay. Quite a lot of them obviously will go on international duty, but not as many as you might imagine, mm. because Uruguayans aren't going. Mm. Um, in the Spanish team, none of the South Americans. Are. None of the South yeah. Americans are in the Spanish team. I think it's only Coque. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is it only Coque, or is Urenta in the squad? Yes, Urenta's in the squad as well. Okay, so that's only two. They could have a decent core of players. Um, yeah, but but yeah, I think I think they're. I'm not not in trouble. Of course, they're still in a good position, but I, I think they're under a huge amount of pressure now. They're still four points clear at the top of the table, uh, but yeah, the pressure really is. On, uh, we'll get to Real Madrid in just a moment. But if you didn't know, we've got a Patreon. Have we? We do see, wow. and we do lots of extra bonus Spanish football content there. If you'd like to come and join us every Tuesday, we do a Q and A Q&A podcast. You send us your questions, we try and answer them. On Thursday, we've got a bonus podcast as ever, and this Friday we've got the latest edition of TSFP presents Sliding Doors as we discuss the biggest turning points in La Liga history. Plus, you get producer Al's world-famous, near-daily paper review on Monday to Friday as well. So all that for around about €5 Euros a month. Pretty good value, uh, if you ask me. On to Real Madrid then, uh, who played really well in the first 40 minutes at Balaidos, beating Celta Vigo by three goals to one. The two goals scored uh, in the opening half an hour of the game um, by Karim Benzema. He's got eight goals in his last six games. He scored in each of his last uh, six matches and that, that that first half was as good as we've seen Real Madrid play all season that first half unfortunately was the first half where I was travelling back from the radio to home and didn't see oh you didn't see it I okay. watched it back I oh, watched okay. it back but I didn't see it live so I didn't have that sense of oh okay, if you, okay. In, it, it's, it's strange when you watch a game back particularly if you watch a game back and you've listened to the radio in the car yeah. and you've listened to people talk including you and Al and, thinking, yeah. and so, you, so you're sort of ready for it to be really good and it was very very good indeed the second half obviously was, was largely a controlling mission I think yes. although almost got caught because of course Asper hits the post with that free kick which in truth should never have been a free kick in the first place but that's kind of by the by but I do feel like and we have talked about this a lot that Madrid are kind of a difficult side to get hold of because a lot of the time you look at me think they're not very good and yet at the same time the three key players in theory are the three central midfielders and they've been really good almost all year and then you've got a fantastic striker oh and by the way a goalkeeper who rescues them at least once every game mm. That is a core of five players, four outfield players and a goalie, really big. I mean, that's a really big deal. And that, that is enough to carry you in most matches. Uh, to add to that, uh, Fede Valverde was in the starting yes. eleven. Yeah. He played really well as well. Yes, he, he did, yeah. Looking back to his best, bringing that energy, uh, the um, ability to stride forward and break through the lines. He can also shoot as well. Uh, four in midfield, although he was, he was quite wide. Yeah, he was in a slightly weird position. It, was, it, it kind of felt like a, let's put him in the team somewhere, where does he go? Ooh, just sort of wedge him in here a bit. Yes. Um, I don't think it's his natural position, but I think it can work for him. Um, because he I has think the we might see it. this team quite a lot. Actually. I think we're going to see this team all the time now. I think what has happened is, in truth, Zidane has finally given up on on Hazard for fitness reasons. And don't take this the wrong way. Those of you who are, who are Hazard fans, and maybe even just those of you who are Real Madrid fans, that's very good news for Real Madrid. 
And the reason I say that isn't it's good news that Hazard's not in the team. I think it's good news that they're not kind of waiting on him now. There's been a lot of this kind of, oh, we wait on him. We, we, we put him back in the team. We try and get him fit. And it's almost felt at times like Madrid have been serving Hazard rather than Hazard has been serving the team, if you sort of mean. And I think one of the things that's done is, of course, it's meant that Zidane has kept open the idea of free up front, partly because Hazard fits in it. Although, personally, I think Benzema and Hazard as a two can work. And I just wonder if one of the things that's happened in this attempt to go for free central defenders and basically take a forward out or go for a 4-4-2, mm. take a forward out, has partly been, you look at the forward line, you think, well, to be honest, my forwards aren't playing that well. Let's only have two of them then. Let's, let's lose one of those and, and reinforce another part of the pitch, whether it's an extra central defender or an extra midfielder. Mm. Um, even if that means it's a little bit lopsided because, as you say, Valverde in the midfield... It's not really a natural four, is it? It's kind of three plus one, and he's yes. this sort of loose element. Um, but I, I just wonder if that's kind of what's driven this. A, a look at the forward line, I think, and I think a bit, a bit like with Dembélé, maybe Vinicius is, is similar to Dembélé in that you've got a very fast forward whose decision making um, processes are reduced by having him playing a little bit more through the middle. Hmm. Well, it's not the first time that Vinicius and Dembélé have been compared. I suppose it's not, because there are certain similarities. Because the decision-making is not always good, because they're very, very quick, because they're very direct. And in both cases, I like them, even when they're playing badly, because at least they kind of they kind of shake the game up. You know, mm. They sort of make things happen, even when they're not having the best day of it. Real Madrid six points behind Atletico Madrid. Mm. They, and they really can't afford any more slip No, they can't. But they need to, they need to just stick, stick there. And of course, they've got the Clasico uh, in a couple of weeks' time. Barca have to play Atletico Madrid as well. Atletico may well be watching the Clasico and thinking, please win Real Madrid. Yeah, I think... Well, depending, obviously, let's see what position they're in when, when they get there. I think Real Madrid, um, obviously, are in a, a weaker position than Barca. And truth is, Barca play better football than Real Madrid, mm. for the most part. We know that. But Real Madrid have this amazing ability to to find a way through and they have very 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 good players and Modric and Cruz at the moment have, have really I mean they've played well for most of the season but they seem to have reached uh, shall I use the cliche particularly as we're talking about Cruz they seem to have reached kind of cruise control level that, that sense that they're just on top of this now hmm. Look, I Liga. We've got a La Liga title race when we thought we we wouldn't have yeah, one. We definitely so have that. We're um, yeah. we're making the most of it. Uh, well, there isn't a battle for fourth spot because Sevilla have, have pretty much uh, wrapped it up and they got that late late equaliser at Valladolid. I mean, in truth, it, it's 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 a late equaliser at Valladolid. It's not a monumentally important no. goal, but it was. Look at that goalkeeper Bono scoring uh, for the first time ever in La Liga. The last. Severe goalkeeper to score a goal was Andres Palop mm-hmm. in the um, was it he was UEFA Cup then UEFA Cup two thousand and seven yeah two thousand and seven uh, in uh, in Ukraine you were a bit disappointed Sid with the post match interview I, I thought it was awful I, and and I don't want this to be a rant about the person doing it I must admit I don't even know who did it but it was just bizarre I thought that you've got this moment that as you say it's a late draw at Valladolid it's not a big deal the big deal is the goalkeeper scoring yeah and the post match interview basically was. Um, well done was that the first goal you scored for Seville you've ever scored he said yes he says alright you must be really happy about the about the goal but in particular about the, the point with Vardalith and then it was this sort of weird kind of three or four questions of total anodyne nothing to do with the goal and I was watching it thinking sorry have, have we lost our minds here you know what makes this big and I've written about it today is 
just the sort of the, the silliness of a goalie scoring. That's what the fun of football is about. The sort of moments that you don't expect to see. Forget results. Forget objectives. It's, it's the kind of like... It's, and I was thinking about this. I was thinking there are three or four things that are universally loved by football fans. Right? And I thought, a dog on a pitch. We, yes. A referee falling over. Love that. An outfield player going in goal. Who doesn't love that? And a goalkeeper scoring. Everyone loves that. Oh, and a really ridiculous open goal miss. Those yes. are probably the five things that everyone loves, no matter what happens and what moment of a game is in. I'm, there must be some others that I've forgotten, but those are the ones I can think of. Maybe scoring from your own half as well. Yeah. So those are the kind of like the, the, the oh my God, it happened thing. The, the things that aren't impossible to happen, but really don't happen. Anyway, yeah, I was just very struck by this incredibly anodyne post-match interview. Like, what on earth? And I'll, I'm going to be honest now. I messaged the severe press officer. Right. Because I was already thinking, oh, this would be nice to write about. And then I heard that and I thought, God, I really hope Bono says something. And I messaged him and said, please tell me that you are putting Bono on the radio somewhere. Yeah. He was like, don't worry, don't worry, he's talking to him now. Yes. Thank God for that. Yeah. Because, because it, I mean, it was just bizarre. Anyway, to, to, to take it to that point about how different this is, only 14 goals have been scored by goalkeepers in La Liga history. Only eight different people have scored in La Liga history um, because there's a few of them that have got more than one so Tony Pratt's got a couple at, at Betis there was a guy at Celta in the 70s whose name has now escaped me uh, Fajoy or Foyoy or something like that and of course um, Nacho Gonzalez who was the goalkeeper who played for Las Palmas the day that Stan Collymore made his debut against Las Palmas it always made me laugh because a goalkeeper got more goals that year than Stan Collymore did anyway and Bono is in theory it depends how you argue this the only one to score from open play. The only goalie in La Liga history to have scored from open play because it's penalties. Yeah. A couple of free kicks. Yeah. A rebound from a penalty, well, which I think is open play. But anyway. What was the goal that Danny Aaron Thubia Right, here scored? we go. And yeah. Danny Aaron Thubia, which is ahead of direct from a corner. So you right. could say it's a set play. This uh, is a corner that breaks down. Yeah. I mean, between the corner being taken and him scoring, and you know how I love to do this... <laughs> You get more than 20 seconds past. There's a, yeah. my, my favourite moment in this goal, you know, my favourite moment in, go, in this goal is, uh, if you haven't seen it, go and see it. It's bizarre. There's a moment that looks like the ball's going out of play and three yes. vital leaf players try and let it go. Two defenders <laughs> and a goalie. Yeah. And they stand there as if there's a mouse running on the floor and they sort of stand back and like, oh, oh, like this. And the ball hits the post and stays in play. In this here, he gets a toe to it and manages to nudge it back into kind of into the melee through the legs of two vital leaf players. Vidal's manager, Sergio González, and I love this word, and I thought it's the perfect word for this goal, described it as rocambolesco. Yes. What a great word. It basically means far-fetched or yeah. impossible to believe, but it actually sounds like the ball's bouncing around, doesn't it? Rocambolesco. Sounds yeah, like the yeah. ball's bouncing around. Anyway, the best bit of the goal is, they're watching it go out of play. Bono is in the area. He thinks it's going out of play too. Momentarily, he starts to turn back towards his own goal and for some reason decides to stay. And he actually says in one of the interviews post-game, he says, I don't know why I didn't run back. So there's a moment where he stops to turn back as if to say, oh, that's gone. And he stays there. And it's, and it's just a brilliant, it's a, it's a brilliant moment. It's a pretty good finish as well. It's a very good finish. And also <laughs> really good from Jules Condé. Yes. Who nudges it back to him and jumps as high as he possibly can mm. to get out of the way. And, and Bono actually finishes underneath him. Mm. I also think as well, and again, this is because I've been writing about it today. So I suppose these kind of ideas have crystallised in my mind where if you just kind of caught me immediately after the game, they wouldn't have done. But this is kind of symbolic of Bono in that this is the, the unexpected hero. This is a guy who turns up at the last minute because Sergio Rico goes and they're not really expecting to, who's there as a number two, never going to play. Vashlik gets injured. He comes into the team, immediately cocks up enormously against Kluge in the Europa League. Yes. 
That's going to put them out, but he gets away with it because of a jammy VAR decision that rules it out. And then what happens? Saves a penalty against Raul Jimenez. He's brilliant against Lukaku. Wins the Europa League. Comes into this season, saves a penalty from Haaland. <laughs> saves a penalty from Alaves. Saves a penalty from Fakir in the derby. And now does this. Accidental hero. He's also Moroccan and speaks with an Argentine accent. So it's that, amazing. I was thinking that. That's, that's I asked, bonus point. I asked someone in Seville yesterday and they said um, he, when he first came, he was at yes. Atletico Madrid. Yeah, yeah. And he became mates with the Argentinians more with them, and, and with the Uruguayans more than with the Spaniards. Yes. He speaks with a very calm, yes. that sort of soft, gentle Argentinian accent, doesn't yes. he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Uh, so there we go. Uh, that was uh, the uh, Primera División. What happened in the Segunda? Uh, Mallorca's lead at the top is down to three points. Well, after... Of course it is, they played the mighty they were held to a nil-nil draw <laughs> by the plucky Ray Loviedo they were I tell plucky. you what there is a word that sort of rhymes with plucky which I use <laughs> a lot about Ray Loviedo but it's not that one <laughs> yes uh, Española second they bounced back from three draws in a row with a 4-0 win over Logroñez. yes third place Almeria lost 2-1 at Ponferradina Leganés were beaten 2-0 in the Derby by Fuenlabrada and Rayo are still in the last playoff spot after beating Alcocon 3-0 in another derby a thumping win uh, for oh, that's four the games, four stadiums I went to last week you did <laughs> tell the listeners what you did Sid on Friday on your day off from relentlessly covering Spanish football what did you do on your day off it took, uh, set, a, set a target of yes. three hours to visit every first and second division ground in Madrid right and get from there to home and, and, and back again in three hours. Did you manage it? Yeah, it was actually looking a little bit too easy. So we made it harder for ourselves by insisting that Real Madrid have two grounds. So we yes. went to Valdebebo, San de Bernabeu. And then thinking, well, we'll do Raya Macaonda as well. Yeah. And then actually at the last minute, we also added in the... Uh, the, <laughs> the Polideportivo... Uh, what's it? Angel Nieto in Boadilla, which is where Internacional de Boadilla used to play, although they've now moved. Of course, obviously. Just for a laugh on the way back. And you made it home by one second. One second, yes. One second to spare. Yeah. Uh, you I, did nearly, do... I nearly knocked a couple of people down. Yeah. <laughs> you, you did do this with your family. You didn't just I do know, it on I your didn't own. Just do it. I'm not a complete yeah. loser. Well, maybe. <laughs> yes, I'd just like to point that out. So there we go. That's what Sid did on Friday. Well done, Sydney. There are photos on our Twitter account uh, of Sid's magical trip. Uh, it's the international break. Spain are playing Greece on Thursday. I'm going. You are going. I'm going to soak in all things Greek. It's, will you do that every week with me? That's true. Yes. Uh, it's going to be awful. Greece are rubbish. They also play uh, Georgia on Sunday. and Georgia's always on my mind. I'll be watching Greece, but sorry. <laughs> And Kosovo next Wednesday. Which one of those games are you going, are you going to? I'm only going to the Greece one. Okay. I'm only going to the Greece one. All right, there we go. Um, I mentioned it before, but hey, you know, I'll mention it again. We do have a Patreon and uh, we've got bonus content coming up for you tomorrow. If there's anything that we haven't talked about, and there's a lot we didn't get through, so fans of other clubs that you'd like us to talk about questions or go in depth on Real Madrid, Barcelona, Sevilla or Atletico send us a question and we'll answer it over on our Q&A pod at Patreon uh, we'll also we'll be talking Spain I guess on the bonus pod mm. this week so it might be out on Friday we'll we'll see how we go yeah because they play Thursday night so yeah, yeah that's and true. there is as we said a new episode of uh, TSF we present Sliding Doors as we discuss the biggest turning points in La Liga history come and join us on Patreon if not don't worry, we'll be back here as ever. In a car, in a car park. Talking about Spanish football on a Monday. Thank you. Adios. Cheerio. Cheerio.